Hi, Michael here. Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast, episode 187. The Wiggly sofa is completely unoccupied today, and although I like to try and stay behind the microphone, and given that I put the microphones out in the first place, I don't find that too difficult to do normally. But Heather and Rachel are away in Korea. Farmer Phil called away on farm business. Rachel Harries is working her socks off in the Wiggly office and Richard, well we're not quite sure where Richard is but he certainly isn't here so cometh the hour cometh the man but of course one thing you can always rely on Monty's here the Monty Cast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. A mango wurzel used to be the most popular treat for sheep in Herefordshire. Another Monty Cast next week on the Wiggly Podcast. Thank you, Monty. Now, this week's Wiggly Podcast may be somewhat different, but so will next week's. Next week in the Wiggly office is a really hectic time. So I'm going to take this opportunity to bring you the best of the recordings made by Richard and Rachel Harries as they talk to people who dropped in on the Wiggly Garden at the Hay Festival. In the next two shows, we've got piracy on the high seas, we've got garden photography, we've got atmospheric physicists on eco-energy, we've got a man who's mad keen on hedgehogs, we have gypsy caravans... And we even have a little bit of celebrity spotting when Mariella Frost drops by. But first, we're going back to episode 183, when the bees in the Wiggly Beehive swarmed, split into two groups, and Hannah coaxed one into a new beehive. Here's the story, as recorded by Richard and Heather. We can hear those bees buzzing away thick they've congregated into a tight triangle just on one of the legs and around the entrance of the hive michael's there clicking away taking some photographs and being very brave because he's about a yard away from the hive and hannah's just getting herself adorned in an amazing beekeeping suit which unfortunately i don't seem to have so i'm keeping my distance and hannah assures me that um She'll let me know as best she can if they're uh, likely to leap and start stinging me. This is why it's important to have a queen that's uh, fairly docile. So Hannah's brought down the nuke box and she's wrapped one of Heather's best sheets around a forestry box. And she's now just gone up to the hive and with a, with a white tub truck and she's going to... She's quite literally going to... St- negotiate the okay this is an interesting situation I I feel as though I I shouldn't really be here but Michael is even closer than me she's scraping I'm going to back off because they're they're uh, just uh... so I'm back right away now (laughs) I've been chased by bees because there's quite literally a bee chasing me so i'm staying well away michael seems to have been stung but anyway so i'm gonna i'm going to move across to uh to the other side of the garden michael's now taking a photograph of me as i uh 
I was watching the honeybee just land it landed on my fleece and it was plugging away at my fleece stinging the stinging my jacket like mad obviously not getting through the fleece into my arm which was fortunate but I thought no, that's definitely time to leave yeah looking across there now and uh, Hannah's uh, managed to empty all the bees that she scraped from the front of the hive onto the white sheet it's an amazing thing you know they, they, they just sit there they sit on that white sheet and they seem as though they, they don't seem independent it's as if they're as one so Hannah says she should quickly run across to the she must have got the queen now because she's just emptied the queen at the front of the and she's now pointing Michael's clicking away brave man so pointing at this animal which must be the queen I've come back I'm snuck back under radar because it seems that Heather is brave enough to <laughs> to come back also so I'm not going to be outdone by on the bravery stakes yeah you chicken see that queen I can see the so queen she's yeah. been enticed in that hole Hannah said by those other mates. Right. But the Queen has to make her own way in there. Right. I think we should give her a shove. <laughs> flick it in there. Flick it in there for Christ's sake. Her life's too short. We've been waiting here for hours. Anyway, here she goes. She's going in. She's going in. <gasps> That's amazing. Oh my God, she's that gone is in. So the Queen, so, so Anna scraped off this melee of bees from the front of the hive, placed the Queen. Should I be in my hair, Richard? Uh, well, I, I think it went up my nose. I think, I think given that, given the population density of bees around us, if there is an insect in your hair, it's probably going to be a bee. Yeah, good point. This, this takes us back to the hornet days, doesn't it? Yeah, the year before last. Do it, my fleece. Why are we all stood here closer than Hannah to the bees? I'm not. And Hannah's in a full spec suit. Not, not sure exactly. And we haven't. Not and Michael's sure. even closer. Oh God. Don't hit it. I'm not going to kill gonna, it. I'm just going to back off a little bit. Right, half on off, just, no. It just seems that you get Where's one or two that uh, are uh, just a little bit. It does keep landing in your hair. So let's back right off. Let's back right off. Anyway, I think it's no. Is it lost interest? No, it's lost interest. You're all right, Hev. Right. It's gone back. It's my it just seems that you get the odd, you know, slightly <laughs> aggressive character that wants to kind of chase you away from the. Mm. I'm allergic to bee stings. Are you? So you don't mm. want to get stung? Well, that's not a good idea. I don't want you going into anaphylactic shock, having to run you off to Hereford casualty. No, I've got to go. Good luck. That's Lord. a brilliant thing to be part of, though, isn't that it, today? Is a fantastic experience. And essentially, you're going to have two hives in your garden now. It's great, isn't it? It is really good. So there's a good chance of being able to harvest a whole world of tasty honey this year. So is that automatic success now, or...? I think it probably is, yeah. I think it probably is. I mean, Hannah's obviously the expert, but she's uh, she seems to be... Hannah, ...beaming away here. inside that mask. <laughs> so, Han, mm. is that it? We made it? Have well, we given birth to a new hive? Not necessarily. She's gone in to have a look round, and if she doesn't like it, she'll be back out again, and right. they'll all, all disappear, but... Hopefully she'll uh, call the rest of them in and we'll have a successful... That hive you put there doesn't look a muncher. No, it's just a nuke box, uh, so it's a, a miniature hive. Right. Just to keep your swarm in, really. And what, you happened to have that on you, did you? Yes. You carry around that box? This time of year. Yeah. 
<laughs> ready for this moment? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> wow. Just that's, in case. I must put one in my car, Richard. <laughs> forward thinking. Just in case. Said, yeah, that's right. Just in case you throw any beekeeping suit. What's got... in your handbag? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I happen to have a bee box on me. Yeah, anything else? Uh, a smoker and oh. a bee suit and that sort of thing. Good Lord above. And what will keep the Queen in there then? Who can tell? It's a woman, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's it's a nice well, view. It's an interesting, yeah. interesting <laughs> point you make. Yeah. Maybe the magnolia tree. <gasps> yes. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous. So we can only wait now. Yeah, it's waiting now to see what happens. And um, my sheet, what part did that play? The white sheet, for some reason, they're attracted to that. I see. So they, they're attracted and they should go up then. It's then. a fitted sheet. Yeah, that, that makes all the difference. Brilliant, that's, that's yeah. really good. Rean was very excited to hear what's going on with her sheets. Uh, out of the I'm drawer. glad it was a clean one. <laughs> good Lord. OK, for the rest of the show and next week's, we're off to the Hay Festival. So where exactly are you, Richard? We're stood on the decking in the entrance to the, the euphemistically called Talks Pavilion on the Wiggly Garden on what is one of the most beautiful days of the, of the year, certainly. So I'm feeling decidedly lucky, not just because of the weather, but because I've been joined by a Juliet Roberts. Roberts. <laughs> I've been prompted to say the right thing. And, and the, and the ever-lovely uh, Sorrel Everton from Gardens Illustrated. Hello. Have I got that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Not the Hello. Gardener's Illustrated, yeah, the no, Gardener's no. Illustrated. Indeed, and it's a fantastic magazine and something that I think Wiggles has, has kind of done features and offers and things for yeah. in the past. Yeah. You guys have been kind enough to come along and, and talk to me and give me some of your uh, expert opinions of the, uh, of the, of the landmass that lies, lies before <laughs> us. So, but, but before we just have a wander around the garden, what, uh, what brought you to Hay originally? I've been coming to Hay for years and it's amazing to see how the event has changed literally from a flapping uh, tent in a field to what we see today which I think is just extraordinary and the number of people wandering around it's really nice to see the Wiggly permanent garden here I think that's fantastic but we're here primarily with the magazine this year because we sponsored two talks we had a talk yesterday which was last night and it was Noel Kingsbury Tim Richardson Dan Pearson and Simon Jenkins who were talking about the 21st century garden and they were discussing whether it was a place of beauty or a home for wood lice. Okay. Um, we can talk more about that later. Yes, we go around yes. The yes. See, and, uh, you know, the, the orbit, I don't quite understand, because that uh, throws a spanner in the works as far as I And in fact, when uh, we exchanged emails earlier, I, I seem to remember I replied to you after you'd sent me the, the name of the event that you were yeah. coming to and said, what do you mean a place of beauty or a place of wood lice? Because yes. in my mind, they amount to the, the same, same thing. thing. Well, I think yeah. that came out in the... The talk really, right, but, right. Yeah, but yeah, maybe and it went around. very well. I hear. Yeah, it did. It's it was event. yeah, it was good, and it was a, a discussion-based event, and everyone got a chance to speak. Lots of questions afterwards. Yeah. So you nice both on the stage? Both? No, um, we were in the audience. We were kind of uh, handing out magazines and okay. just kind of getting the okay. the feel of the audience. But uh, it was it was really good. I think it was a lively debate, and lots of different opinions came across. And 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 at the end of the day, we don't know how gardens are going to evolve. They reflect the zeitgeist of society to to quite a large extent but there is a huge interest in wildlife a huge interest in being more ecological and tapping into the sort of sense of place 
which I think you've done brilliantly. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, should we go and have a look and, yeah, uh, and see uh, see what we've achieved? Because, uh, as you know, the garden is uh, here for for five years and possibly more. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know whether the Hay Festival guys will say after five years you're just <laughs> ripping all up go. and uh, yeah, off you go. But we shall see. But uh, so when what did you it does, begin, when, when did the garden? Uh, it's been about 14 months. Yeah, so we fantastic. only started because we only had the green lights to put the garden in just before the beginning of the festival last year. So it was a real it's rush a to get scramble. it in. But what we were able to do is put in a lot of the wildflower turf and obviously this cobbled area that, that uh, is interspersed with raised beds, raised beds that we're, we're stood on now. Yeah. And so that the farmer has strict instructions not to touch this for the rest of the year? Yeah, it? yeah. Well, what happens is I come out, probably after all the, the marquees have been taken down, I put a stock-proof fence around the garden oh, okay. mm. and it sits here. Yeah. And, um, and then when I, I came out and the, the willow bowers, um, I, I did in, in fact, just before Christmas and New Year last year, and then Jodie and Pippin AD came out and we all had a bit of a concerted effort putting in this chamomile bund yeah. and, uh, and Jodie and Heather planted up all these wonderful wellies with tomatoes and <laughs> lettuces and brassicas and all sorts of goodies. So they've got a nice, they? Oh, I think it's really sweet. It's really charming. It's really and pretty. It's and it's very engaging. I mean, you know, there's absolutely. lots of people walking through, stopping, looking at all the in, um, informative signs yeah. that you've got that are quite fun and informative and just really, I think, engaging and kids playing in the willow huts. Oh, the willow huts are just magical. I, I can just I, when, um, I, when I was a kid, that would have been my idea of heaven and I noticed one of the adults is crawling, just crawled out of yeah, one as yeah, well, so it's not yeah. just for children. Well, Heather and I uh, got in there together, in fact, and we did some, <laughs> some filming just before, uh, just before the festival started. Yeah, just to see. Well, it was uh, it's okay for Heather; she doesn't really even have to bend over to go in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're not saying that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, they've got they've been a real hit, and I, I, yeah, I'm just think it's wonderful that we've got the weather for them to be enjoyed to the yeah. extent that uh, that they were enjoyed. You know, I mean, no, yesterday it just couldn't be better, could it? It's, it's it, perfect. Yesterday there were kids milling around in there there were kids having sword fights on the bund there were mothers breastfeeding in the talks pavilion I just thought oh, it's just wonderful because it just epitomises what natural garden's all yeah, about absolutely. really it's quite interesting we obviously were at Chelsea Chelsea Flower Show earlier this week and you can forget I mean you know the gardens are extraordinary and their you know works of art in their own in their own right but walking around there you can forget that, that gardens are places for people to just have leisure time people. in yeah. Yeah. and for kids to enjoy and I think that's what you get re-engaged with when you're here yeah. you get reminded Precisely. but what's really important i think this what, what this garden reflects is what well, this current zeitgeist for grow your own which is massive i mean it's really has kind of gripped the nation i think you're right and trying to get children involved in gardening at quite an early age and you you, you can't kind of push you can't force kids to do stuff like that but getting them sort of engaged with the natural environment and respectful of nature and having fun just seeing things grow i think they absorb it and 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 hopefully that will come out you know when they have their own plots of their own and precisely i often reflect back to when i was sort of telling stories and talks and things like that i often draw on some of my childhood experiences yes, me too. and some of those are quite vivid yeah. and, uh, and you must take what you what you can grow up with you into later life yeah. i mean subconsciously sometimes i don't think you often realize it I, I mean I often think back I, 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 I think it's only as I get older that I realize when that when I was a kid I actually my grandparents were really obsessed with gardening my dad had an allotment he used to drag me along there you know oh, unwillingly okay. but I kind of did my bit you know yeah, and we yeah. sort of and we had a, a lovely plot at home and I remember doing sweet peas and all of those things the scents and the and they're just seeing things grow I, I remember going into my dad's glass house and there was tomatoes and he sort of taught me how to kind of snap off the the side shoots and at the time you just do it and you don't think yeah. but now I, I I think that was hugely important and influential on right. yeah. which is possibly why you've aspired to the dizzy heights of uh, <laughs> 
editor of one of the, one of the nicest uh, gardening oh, thank you. possibly even the nicest oh. uh, gardening magazine that, yeah. that, uh, that, that there is well it is a, it's a lovely magazine to work on and yeah. we, we thoroughly enjoy ourselves so it's all right. it is wonderful and what about chickens I mean have you guys got hens at home or haven't been but I aspire to yeah, yeah. No, used to very as children so. we had yeah. chickens as, um, but but yeah I mean even now hen houses are such nice things aren't yes, they yes they're you really know. cool <laughs> yeah, they we've just had a really beautiful one in the magazine actually we did a whole uh, we did these shopping pages and we did about about the sort of grow your own and, and keeping hens and things and it's it's I mean it's just so many people are doing it now and, and it's so easy but it's one of those sort of I don't know my grandparents did, but we kind of forgot it in the yeah. sort of 60s and 70s. And the yeah. handy to the old pest control as well, if you don't mind oh, few yes. plants getting uh, sort of nibbled and at. Yeah. yeah, they do. You know. They definitely feast on, uh, on slugs and, uh, and snails, in fact. And, yeah. and you've t- I think you tend to find that certain birds, according to their personality, have a, have a real liking to certain types of, uh, of mollusks. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. one chicken will ignore the slug, whereas his chum will oh, think, oh, that's, that's, uh, really? yeah, that's yeah. for that's me. That's a juicy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. my flavour. No, that's right, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, have one of those so. yesterday. You have that one. Full of, sick to death of those. Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly my garden. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. But along so. with the grow your own, I mean, the, the 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 rise in popularity of wildlife gardening. I mean, we've seen that over the past. 10, 15 years and it's and I think the talk, you know, you mentioned the talk we had yesterday and people did used to think of wildlife gardens as being quite scruffy places and I you know, I think our perceptions have changed of that and we we like things a little bit rough around the edges and and more naturalistic you know, it's not all kind of primped and preened and and immaculate kind of, you know, bedding displays and I think the two things have kind of come together, it's sort of like this, this looseness of approach and seeing the beauty in nature and seeing the beauty in seed heads and and, and that ties in with encouraging more wildlife. So I think it's great how those kind of two aspects have come together. And that came out in the talk as well, that uh, talking about Chelsea again, it's almost given as read now that gardens yes. have to be sustainable, yeah. that they, you know, they have to use recycled material, they have to think about the irrigation and the water harvesting, and all that's given as read, mm-hmm. even in a sort of immaculately designed garden. But, but yes, we are seeing this sort of raggedness, as, as Juliet said, that people don't mind having, and even if it's the tiniest patch of grass in the garden that they just don't mow for the summer, then you know, even that makes a contribution. Yeah. Makes a massive difference, I think. It yeah. does. And I think it's that that juxtaposition of, I mean, I've seen a number of people who've got a sort of, they've left a grassy area and they've, they've, they've mown around it quite neatly. And that juxtaposition of the quite trim and obviously cared for with the wild. And I think that kind of creates an interesting dynamic. And it's not just all kind of everything's a bit wild. It's sort of, there's some formalness, there's some formality to the garden, whether it's just a beautifully mown path through a wildflower meadow. And I think that's, that we're seeing, definitely seeing a lot more images and, and gardens that uh, are doing that type of thing. Well, there's a great example in our current issue, in our June issue, of a garden in Kent called Chainhurst which is a sort of a modern or contemporary take on a cottage garden. Really beautiful, lovely flower beds, vegetable beds and everything, but she's just left this very simple square patch mm. of grass mm. that she doesn't mow and she just lets all the flowers come up and everything. And, and the sort of juxtaposition of, of the neatness of that and then the, and the wildness of that, of the little unmown patch of grass, is fantastic. And yeah, it just, it's fantastic. It, it really makes the garden yeah. have a bit of character and a bit of life to it. Yeah. Indeed. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much, both. Um, how can the listener 
get a copy of uh, Gardens Illustrated? Well, it's available in most good magazine stores, WH Smiths and uh, Waitrose. And Is the website worth there's a There's a website, www.gardensillustrated.com, and you can get um, subscriptions there. And you, can and you get tasters of sort of uh, uh, contents of articles? You do, like you that? do. There's a sort of little slide through, because we have the, the most beautiful photography. You can have a little kind of preview of, of what's in the current issue. Wonderful. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now a bit of a treat. Celebrity, glamour, the poise of a seasoned media professional, widely regarded as having the perfect voice. Yes, it's Richard again, and this time he meets Mariella Frostrup. Okay, well, it's a very different day to yesterday. Quite a lovely day, in fact, and getting lovelier. And uh, and interestingly enough, I've been joined by the ever-lovely Mariella Frostrup. And it's lovely to meet you, and you've given us the opportunity to chat with you for a few moments before you go off and uh, spend some time with your kiddies, because I think you're very busy, aren't you, here? Yeah, it's been quite busy. We're up with a, a show every day, so sort of most of it's taken up with either filming or reading. In fact, when people say, are you enjoying the festival, I don't really know what to say, because I haven't really seen the festival. <laughs> the closest I've got to it is really just a quick wander through Wiggly Wigglers. That's good, that's good though, isn't it? <laughs> of a morning, I'm which well, is always very nice. That. Yeah, that's um, fine. And, and was actually quite inspirational to me last year because I, I went off back up to Scotland where we have a house and, and sent off for your meadow seed. Though we didn't plant, it was too late to plant it last year, actually. Uh, we had a lot of builders, rubble and stuff, so okay. we waited right. and planted it this spring and we're about to go back up and see um, what's taken root oh, and what hasn't. Oh, there'll be something to look forward to then. I also, love it. I also unfortunately uh, bought one of those bird tables which are absolutely beautiful it looks slightly like they've come from outer space okay. but are not built for the high winds of oh, the okay. bleak, bleak Ayrshire hills in the which border, we reside yeah, so yeah. it lasted about a week the top blew off <laughs> and, then oh, I, and then I found out that replacing the glass as you probably know <laughs> is as expensive as the bird table as, as the bird seat table itself yeah. so yeah okay. that, not one of my best purchases. Right. I do quite like the um, the water bath, though. It's quite nice, isn't it? And uh, well, perhaps you should take that back as, as recompense. <laughs> you back up to I wasn't looking for a freebie, Richard. No, but no, now but, that you mentioned it, I think you should. I think you should. I'd be more than happy for you to do that. You've also um, given me inspiration as to what to do with that. We seem to have a problem up there. In the same way as lots of people have with socks, which I also have with socks. You know, where you, you find one comes, two go into the washing machine, and one comes out. Yeah. And here you've got yeah, all these wellies <laughs> with things growing in them. Yeah. And we have the same issue with wellies up in Scotland. We, we leave a pair and when we come back there's a left foot or a right foot and the uh, it's it, it sort of okay. sister or brother is nowhere to be found so. so there's a world of wellies to, to do stuff like that a with. world of wellies to be planted that's great okay well that's, that's wonderful we did do a little welly planting thing yesterday so your guys your, your children will be more than happy to do something like that when they get home yeah, well you seem to keep later hours than my children Richard <laughs> my children are here at about 6.05 waiting for you eagerly with their plastic bottles for their wormery and you stroll in at lunchtime it's just not much that's good. Don't ever set yourself up as a childminder, will you? <laughs> I won't, no, I'll bet I mind. I won't. Okay. Well, I think on that note, we should perhaps leave it. I'll let you. I'll let you get back to your to your children. But are you going to? Uh, you so you're going to stay. And then what will you do when you when you get back to Scotland? Will you email me to let me know what type of, of uh, flowers you've got coming up in your meadow? I will absolutely. And if it's looking good, or in fact, if it's either looking very good or very bad, I'll take a photograph of it and okay. 
I'll send okay, that yeah, to you too. Right. Well, I'm, okay. just, I'm really hoping that it looks really good. I'm looking forward to the bird table, drinking table. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thank right. you very much. Thank you. And our final piece for this week's show, Rachel Harry's with Hugh Peachy, Gypsy Caravan Restorer. What other podcast could bring you bees, glossy magazines, celebrities and gypsy caravans? And I'm here at Hay Festival with Hugh Peachy, who is yep. a wheelwright. Well, a wheelwright and uh, a gypsy caravan restorer. I'm sort of learning to become a wheelwright as mm. I go. You know, I've, I've, had, I've had some, you know, I've done a course and I'm, I'm learning how to do it. I've done it about three years, and it takes a long time to, to kind of get it right. You know, it's practice. So I'm I'm practicing on my own own wagons really at the moment, and then um, commission should come in hopefully for new wheels for all sorts of other people as well. So good. And so we're stood here in the middle of the festival site in front of this fabulous gypsy caravan that mm. you're going to tell me all about. Well, this is a quite an unusual one it's uh, probably dated about 1920 but with most gypsy caravans it's quite difficult to authenticate them really the only things you've got well the two things you need to look out for on a gypsy caravan is the on each axle you've got a, a big nut that holds the wheel on and on, to, on, on top of those on the outside of those you've got um, a grease cap and normally on the grease caps you've got the maker's name or the builder's name but um, sometimes they get swapped around so that's one way of deciding who may who, who might have made it where it might have come from because they're famous builders in different parts of the country. And the other way of dating them is there's supposed to be a date on the axle. Somewhere if you take the paint off, you'll see the date on the axle. But I've actually yet to find yet to find a date on an axle, but it's supposed to be there somewhere. So people can tell lots of stories. But this looks to me... So, so do you have an idea of where this one came from? Well, the, only, the decoration is probably anything that gives it away. You've got on the sides and all around the front, you've got heavily carved decorations of fruit, grapes, and uh, camp sort of scenes with fires. And it's very, it's very unusual. It's very heavily carved. You know, it's very bold sort of relief carving. And um, it, it may be local because there, there was a lot of fruit picking and that sort of thing. Maybe you know this sort of side of side of the country. So um, may, maybe it could be local. Well, we're looking at the underneath of it here, and there's all the bits underneath are called the undercarriages. Or the, or the unders for sure and, and basically they're all you, you, you try, you're trying to create a structure that's strong and so to lighten the load lighten the weight of the caravan they take all the, all the chamfers and all the, all the little shavings off so, that, so you've still got the section but it's decorated that, that gives an opportunity to decorate so you're taking the weight off by shaving bits out and then you paint them and decorate them and um, this one, this one's fairly crude. You know, it's not. You can some are, some are incredibly ornate. Obviously, down to the skill of the builder or the amount of time he's got, or you know, what, what happens perhaps the customer wants to pay as well. But, but they're all of a very similar construction. You've got fixed rear axle and the front axle is on a turntable, so that that's that's where the where the shafts are attached to for the pony to back up to, and then you tow it around and they turn incredibly oh. easily. So. so essentially this is the steering. Yeah, this is steering, like how yeah. it steers. Yeah, you've got okay, two, metal, two round metal plates and it just twists on those, you grease them up and it just twists on those. You've got a single bolt going through the floor uh-huh. and it just pivots on there. So. And so it has a sort of domed canvas Yeah, the canvas, roof. well there's different types of gypsy caravans. You've got the, the most basic ones which are called open lots and they're so essentially a flat cart that's had a bow top which is the canvas dome sort of roof put on top of it and they have they've all got a, a hard back to them you know like a fixed back wall a rear wall is, is, is timber yeah should we go and have a look around the back and most of them have have shutters or um because on, on an open lot you've got a solid solid rear wall to yes. the caravan mm-hmm. and on the front is a is a canvas curtain mm-hmm. rather than the door and on the back you normally have shutters that open on the back but on the, some of them they have, they have like little bay windows and the idea was I'm told that if you've got your animals outside when you wake up in the morning if you've got a bay window you can look out and you can look further around than you can you know, if, no, if you haven't got anything that opens in the bay window you can just sort of see out quickly and see more what's happening yep, so. keeping an eye on your animals yeah. isn't that wonderful it's so this, well, this, well this one's a bow top and, mm-hmm. that, and that means it's got, a, it's got a solid front to it with a door a lockable door 
and then you've got Reddings and Burtons, and they're all different. They haven't got canvas roofs; they're solid, solid roofs with sort of a different shape, a different type. But this one, this one needs. This one's been painted sort of incorrectly. It's some. Um, the, it's the peeling. Paint, the paint you can coming off. Peeling, and the colour underneath it? is the traditional colours. They're sort mm. of purples and orange. Well, purples and blues and reds, and but it's pale green with. And it's, and it's the owner's choice really to paint it that colour. But I mean, it, it looks very pretty, but it's, um, but it's not technically correct. You know? mm. It's a sort of pale green, isn't yeah, it? Lovely. Rather a lurid pale. Yeah. Pale green. I think I would prefer it if it was red, a yes. deep red. Yeah, purple. <laughs> I mean, a lot, lot of purple. Purple. So there yeah, would have been, in their heyday, there would have been hundreds or thousands of these, yes, would there, yeah. in England? Yeah, and constantly changing hands and being built. And Most of them are designed to be made by the side of the road, really. So a lot of them are you know, individual owners who had them for a long time and they've been the same family. Mm-hmm. You know, or they'd sit by the roadside and they, and they literally would change them and fiddle around with them and paint them and decorate them and carve them. And you know, so they all are very different and very, you know, each owner can customise them in a way. But they're all of a very similar size and a very similar heights, and you know, so there are sort of five or you know, probably four or five standard sort of not designs but standard types. Mm-hmm. If you're building them, you really need to stick to a few basic principles. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making a kind of modern interpretation of one, but it won't have the value that you can have if you've got a traditionally, you know, much more traditionally made one. But there is still quite a good trade. This one here is probably well. This one's worth. It's for sale. I wanted to ask. It's nine and a half thousand pounds as it is. Goodness. And if it's restored, it's fifteen thousand. You can buy them for three or four thousand pounds, but it won't have wooden wheels. Yes. It'll be on artillery rubber wheels, which is not traditional, but they've been changed because they all because the wooden wheels rot, and you're looking at two and a half thousand quid to repair, you know, a set of wheels. So. Or build, you know, make a new pair, so a new set rather. And you were saying yesterday about how long these wooden wheels last. Yeah, if you I mean, put the, a new set they on? should. Well, they should last. Depends how they're used, because most most of them are ornament in people's gardens, so they get rolled out in the summer, and they get a bit of wet, and then they get put back in the barn, and they come mm-hmm. out again, and they don't get the wheels don't get greased. They, they and they sit on one position all the time. All the weights going from the one side, so they they tend to get loose. Yes. And the iron tires slip. Yeah. The, yeah. The iron band on the outside. So if they're used constantly, the weight is spread around evenly, mm-hmm. and they generally just get cleaned or maintained you know and, and you, you know if you're using it on a day-to-day basis what, what's happening you know, it's like a car i suppose mm-hmm. but, i mean it's not much maintenance but they do they do all rot in the same places the canvas goes and mm-hmm. but the canvas is just put on you put on a load of uh, a set of hoops a set of bows which you which you just fix to metal but well, they're wooden they're wooden i mean you can use i think ash you know it should be ash bent ash steamed and bent round a shape but um People nowadays are using piranha pine, which is like a good quality pine, with very little few, few knots in it. And then they—I've I've been told to soak them in the brook for three days before I do it, but I haven't, I've never actually done that. They seem to bend all right with brute force. But it is amazing how they do. Just literally, you've got a 14-foot straight pole, you can bend it into. And it's, it's an amazing yeah. hoop, isn't yeah. it, over there? Yeah. There's lots of children. I really want to go in and have a look yeah. inside, but there's lots of rowdy children in there. <laughs> they sound like they're having great fun. <laughs> Ah, well. So there, the there are children inside. We're no doubt we'll hear from them, but it's well, the inside, the inside is, a, is fairly. There's a fairly traditional layout as well, because you've got the flat cart, which is the which is the sort of flat bed, and then the, oh, somebody came out of the cupboard. Uh, <laughs> there's a small child coming out of a cupboard in the caravan now. Hello. <laughs> Someone else is now going in there. That's where the children the sleep, obviously. The yeah, the children go. The babies go in the cupboards. Well, they can sleep on the floor in between, or underneath. Underneath, perhaps yeah. might be the best place yeah, for in the, them. Yeah, in the, in the summer, but you've got a bed that's two foot or two foot six wide, and it pulls out and doubles in size, so you, but ah. it slides on these rails. You've got mm-hmm. the cupboard underneath is where, you know, you can put babies in or you can lie children underneath. So in the daytime, you push the bed out of the way and you've got seats on the side and you've got cupboards and 
normally every single nook and cranny is for storage. It's a tiny little space, isn't it? I yeah, mean, what's the dimensions here? They're about nine, well, they're nine foot long in mm -hmm. total, mm -hmm. and about five foot wide on the dray, on the mm -hmm. bed, and then they, they get about six foot five on the, you know, mm -hmm. on the, where, the, where, your head, where your headrests, you know, on the, on yep. the barrels. So. But then the ones I'm building, I'm leaving the cupboards out on the sides just so you've got more room on the floor for extra bedding. If you, know, if you want to yes. sleep on the floor, you can get extra width. So. Originally, how many horses would pull? Well, one, one, one pony was enough, mostly. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's why they sort of keep the weight down. And so you, I imagine now that you pull them behind... Um... Well, a quad bike and a, and a, and a four by four wheel Really? Yes. So do you think there's a future for them? Yeah, do you think, I think we'll I become think are, well, I think less dependent are... on the car and all be <laughs> driving around in one of these? I'd love one. Well, my, my, when I grew up, I think my dad, in the 70s, uh, there was a fuel shortage or fuel crisis. I grew up on a farm in Gloucestershire and he bought a heavy horse, shy horse, mm. and a flat cart to do the, some of the farm work with. They never actually used it on the farm. Because you know, it is a practical space. You can stand up, you can yeah. sleep, you can, yeah. you know, once you kind of get in and think, well, actually, there's plenty of room, you know. Yeah, so thanks. Thank you. And really, well, thank you. it's so beautiful yeah. and it's yeah. just an amazing. You know, I'm relieved that someone else can sort of see what I can see, that they yeah. are great to live in, perhaps for a weekend. And, and hopefully, I'm starting to sell them and make them and you know, hopefully, have a sustainable business out of it. Yep. So. Great, thanks very much, Hugh. Great, thank you. It's really, really good to meet you. Really nice to have a proper tour and be able to look around and find thanks. out more about how you build them. Let me just be quiet. I've, I've been told I've got to be quiet for about five seconds before I press stop. Oh, thank you, Rachel. That makes my life so much easier. Now, Richard, are you listening? Okay, that's it for this week. Join me again next week when we wrap up this selection of recordings from Hay with pirate fishing. That's one for Richard, obviously. Garden photography, green energy, and a favourite weekly podcast topic, hedgehogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>